Hey guys, welcome back to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. I'm Jonathan here in Melbourne. And just to recap, I believe that the message that Jesus preached was about the kingdom of God. It was announcing the kingdom of God. It was demonstrating the kingdom of God. Every parable that he preached, according to Jesus, was about the parable of the kingdom. And he spent 40 days after the resurrection specifically teaching on the subject of the kingdom. And John the Baptist, his first ever sermon was repent for the kingdom is here. Jesus' first ever sermon was repent for the kingdom is here. So uh, really important, but obviously, according to Sunday Adelaja, who built a million member congregation in the 10-year period uh, that he moved to the Ukraine, uh, he said he came to Australia and it was a very, you know, we're very well known for our mega churches, our, our hill songs and our Christian city churches. And he said, but I was amazed that in Australia there was no knowledge of the kingdom of God. Isn't that an incredible statement? And I'll post the interview where he said that in the show notes today. So I really believe that, <laughs> you know, the gospel is really simple. But we have to take all of it. You can't just take a membership to church or a ticket to heaven. The gospel includes losing your life. It includes dying to self. It includes carrying your cross. And really, it's only when you have a kingdom understanding that you are able to live the Christian life. Because the Christian life is impossible. It is impossible to live in your own mind. It's impossible to live in your own strength. The The Holy Spirit prays through us. Paul said we don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts to death the deeds of the body. He's the one who renews our mind. He's the one who wrote the word that we read that transforms us. It's This, this life is, is impossible to do, so don't even try. So today the message is about discipline and decision making and discipleship. So these things are really important. Remember, Jesus was making disciples, which means that those are the ones who are disciplined ones. The disciples are, are followers, yes, but what are they following? They're not only following him like you know, geographically from town to town. They are following him in his ways. Moses, it says, knew the ways of God. Enoch was taken because he pleased God. Abraham was a friend of God. And if you read through the New Testament, it is all about being partners with Jesus, being brothers and sisters with Jesus, being friends of God, not servants, knowing what our master is doing, not being ignorant of the devil's schemes, trampling on snakes and scorpions, owning everything. The kingdom is inclusive. The kingdom is so, so, you know, invitational and in inclusive, but not everybody makes it. I saw a great, you know, billboard sign. It was, a you know, on a meme on Twitter, but it said, Hev heaven uh, has a, has a, very strict uh, border requirements, but hell has no borders. You know, it was a, a bit of a political statement on what's happening in the U.S. at the moment. But 
But yeah, not everyone gets to go to heaven. You know, you've got to look like Jesus to go to heaven. You've got to be literally, you've got to be in him. You know, those who go to heaven are the ones who are just like Jesus. We're just like Jesus because he died for us and we received his perfect sinless life. It's an exchange. And so we are following him, not just geographically as the disciples did from, you know, Nazareth to some other town, you know, Copernicum or Copernicum or wherever. We are following his character. We're following his teachings. We're following his ways. And the scripture that really summarizes this succinctly is in 8.31. John 8.31 says, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. So those who are disciples of Jesus, those who are following him, they will obey him. They'll do what he said. Let me make it really simple today. The message is that you, if you want to live a a successful Christian life, if you want to survive and thrive, if you want to, uh, you know, be on the front foot, you've got to live by your decisions. You've got to be a decision maker. A decision maker is someone who solves problems. A decision maker is somebody who has boundaries. A decision maker is somebody who is on the offensive. They're not on the defensive. A decision maker is someone who thinks through things. You can't be a victim and be a decision maker. You can't be reactive and be a decision maker. A decision maker is proactive. You might be spontaneous. You might be impulsive. This is not about your personality. But Peter left everything for Jesus. You know, John and and his brother, and these people who left their fathers, left their mothers, left their businesses, left their wives. I mean, Peter's wife couldn't have been very happy that he was gone for three years. But this is what happened. Jesus said, if you leave your you know, fields and, and, and wives and all these things for me and my sake and for the kingdom, you'll receive a hundred times what was sown. So these people, they made a decision to follow Jesus and they made decisions daily to continue in following him. And I believe the number one decision you need to make is boundaries. Can you say that out loud? Boundaries or write it down. Boundaries. I believe that a a Christian is a disciplined one. A Christian is a disciple. It's not about doing it in our own strength. It's about a response. Jesus, you know, as king, demands a response. Will we follow him? Will we follow him? Here are a whole bunch of scriptures on uh, just confirming this in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, The spirit that God gave us, is not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-discipline, or self-control, or a sound mind. Ephesians said, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the strict training and instruction, discipline of the Lord. Proverbs 10 is not the New Testament, but whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. There's about 50 Proverbs on on that that I will skip over. Revelation 3, those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. And we know that God disciplines those that he loves. 
Titus 1.8, rather be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Okay. Hebrews 12.11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, it reaps a harvest of righteousness. So for me, it's boundaries. Boundaries. What, what are the boundaries? Well, number one, I no longer live. I'm dead. So, you know, maybe an example is I've, I've got a difficult situation in life. Somebody is mistreating me. Now, I can get all upset about what they did, what they didn't do. I can maybe go to counseling to try and talk it through. But at the end of the day, if I don't have any rights then I don't have anything to worry about. Like, how can they harm me if I don't hold them accountable? So really, the decision is that I I don't live. I don't live. The moment I made a decision to follow Christ, I died. Jonathan is gone. Old man is gone. New man has come. We put off the old, put on the new. As Paul said, we forget what's behind. So if you're mistreated at work or at home or... Even if Christians and brothers hurt you, you can forgive them, you can release them, not because you're some pious, perfect person, but because you're just a realist. You know that God will defend, God will judge, God will will bring justice. And you don't have to defend yourself. If people mistreat you, if they speak ill of you, it's actually a blessing. because. And if you maintain that position of, you know what, they can't, really hurt me because I have no rights. Jesus Christ, you know, allowed his creation that he made mankind to crucify him, to spit on him, to pull out his beard. He never stopped them from doing it. So the first thing is I'm dead. I'm dead. So it doesn't matter, you know, what's going on. And and you can pray and and, and yes, God is calling you to abundant life, but really that's a decision that you've made, that you're dead. So part of that is that you are no longer living for your body. And this is the second part. When you are a disciple who's a decision maker, the first thing you're doing is you're setting boundaries. But you cannot set boundaries until you know who you are. You need to know your social boundaries. You need to know your financial boundaries. You need to know your spiritual boundaries. You need to know the difference between yourself and other people. You can't set boundaries if you have soul ties. You can't set boundaries if every time a certain person calls you, they take you on, you know, a wild goose chase and it takes, you know, and you're distracted. And see, these are things you have to know the voice of God compared to the voice of the devil. So really, the basic Christianity here is 1 Thessalonians 5, which says that we are spirit, soul, and body. You've got to be able to really, really clearly discern between your spirit, your soul, and your body. You've got to know the difference between your mind telling you to do something as opposed to your body telling you to do something. So you've got to know, how can you make a decision if you don't know who's making it and you don't know which part of you is making it. So the Christian life, the kingdom life, the disciplined life is when you make a decision out of your spirit based on the word of God and led by the Holy Spirit. 
And if I really had to delete, you know, everything I'm about to say and summarize it in one, you know, caption, it is do what God's doing. At the end of the day, Jesus said, I do what the Father is doing. I say what the Father is saying. So you might have your plans for today, your interpretation of the circumstances that you're in. But if you have a relationship with God, and He's speaking to you through His Word and through prophecy and through encounters and through the Holy Spirit, you are going to know what you're meant to do today. Some decisions are already made. You know, you have to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, if you're married, that's a predetermined boundary. You are not allowed and able to escape your marriage. Okay? So don't think about it. Don't waste your time and energy. It's already been predetermined if you're living with an unbeliever. If your husband or wife is, you know, uh, unfaithful, sexually immoral, then then you can be released from the marriage. But otherwise, you cannot be released. So these are some of the boundaries. If you have children, you are responsible for them. And God will hold you responsible for them. And you've got to be able, you've got to be responsible for them all the time. You can't say, oh, you know, I left my kids with the babysitter and the babysitter, you know, abused them. It's not the babysitter's fault, although it is, but you're the one responsible to choose the babysitter. Like you should not allow your children to be in a situation where they can be abused because you're the one. At the end of the day, you're accountable. If you're a husband, you're accountable for your wife. If you're a a, a father or a mother, you're accountable for your children. But children, they're not accountable for their parents. Do you understand? And a wife is, you know, co-accountable with her husband, so that it goes both ways. But these things are really simple. Going to church, tithing, being generous, these are decisions that we've already made because they're in the Bible, they're black and white, we don't even we don't even think about them. We don't sin. We we don't sin, we put to death the deeds of our body. All of this is basic. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit will make it very clear to you what's right and wrong from the very first day. And don't condemn yourself because, you know, especially as a new Christian, it takes time to sort of figure these things out. But number one, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to be disciplined. If you're going to be disciplined, you're going to be someone who has predetermined your boundaries. The first decision you make is that you are going to follow Christ. You're going to follow him all the days of your life. That means there's no escape You can't quit halfway through your life or when things get tough, you are never going to quit. That's the first decision. And you know that no matter how bad things get or how good things get, you have eternal life. You have the seal of the Holy Spirit, a ring on your finger, guaranteeing your salvation, and you're not going to give up. If they're, you know, beheading Christians, you're still not going to give up. You're going to go and you're going to have your head chopped off because there is no alternative. Now, God made it decide to deliver you from that at the last minute or whatever. I mean, there are in the book of martyrs, there are stories of people whose, whose heads were cut off and they picked their own heads up and put them back on again and walked off. It's, it's, it's recorded in the book of martyrs. So God can do whatever he wants, but that's the first decision. But to make decisions, you've got to have boundaries.
And the first lesson of boundaries is to know the de- the delineation between or the dividing lines and the interrelationship interrelationship between your spirit soul and body and i'll leave that up to you to figure out once you've made those number one decisions the second decision you make so you know who you are you know who you are not You know who your God is. You know that you're not going to stop following him no matter what. You know that you have no rights. You've died to yourself. You're following him, which means following him in character, in disciplines, not just following him directionally. But number two, once you've really achieved that basic, and for many of us, we decided all that really intuitively in in the first moment we met Christ. And as a result of that decision, We decide to go to church. We decide to take communion. We decide to pray. We decide to read the Bible. All of those disciplines come from that first decision. The second decision we make is to be spirit-led. For me, this happened in around 2002 when I'd been born again. I'd been water baptized. I'd been filled with the Spirit. But I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was my umpire. And I heard this great message from Joyce Meyer talking about the spirit of peace being my umpire. So for the first time as a new Christian, I began to look at peace as my um, anchor, as my compass, really. So if I was, you know, going to meet a friend for, for, for lunch and then they said, oh, let's go out for dinner, let's go out for drinks. You know, I'm 20 years old, I'm at university and I felt uncomfortable, my peace was gone the holy that was that was me going you know what i'm not going to go out tonight and the holy spirit became my umpire the holy i began so it wasn't jonathan's body going wanting to go out cuz he was you know had energy it wasn't jonathan's emotions wanting to go out cuz he had friends it wasn't jonathan's you know mind going out it was jonathan's spirit saying i value the holy spirit my intimacy with him and the peace the that sort of um communion with the Holy Spirit, that the communion with his peace that became the most important thing in my life. And so I'm going to stay home tonight, not because I'm boring or whatever, but because I don't have peace. And I'm going to guard and protect my peace above all else. And that peace as an umpire, as I said here, this is the second decision, which is being spirit-led. That peace as an umpire became my training to be led by the Spirit. So suddenly, I would be walking in the pl- in the playground or the park or walking my dog or going for a rollerblade and that same umpire would put compassion on my heart for a complete stranger. And I didn't need to pray about it. Oh God, do you want me to go talk to that person? I knew the Holy Spirit because I developed a relationship with Him, a discipline to value his leading. So it wasn't only the absence of peace as a warning to not do something. That became like my umpire. It was almost like, you know, a dog with a collar getting an electric shock, you know, every time the owner wants to train it. No, it wasn't like that. It was like Now the Holy Spirit would say, hey, go pray for this person. Go talk to that person. Or pick up the phone and call this person and encourage them. The Holy Spirit, his peace, became the center of my life as an umpire. 
Number three really is around warfare. And if I had to summarize the next, you know, 10 minutes in again in one caption, it would be stand. Stand your ground. You know, if if you've decided to, to go to church, then go to church, even when it gets hard, even when it gets bad, even when the pastor seems to be, you know, you know, going off track or against you until, until the Holy Spirit really clearly confirms to you, you know, through two or three witnesses or whatever. I went to the same church for 25 years. I went to the same church even when it was really, really difficult. And, and there were many, many reasons people were telling me for 10 years, you know, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be here anymore, you know, because of this, that, and the other. But I never heard from God to leave until I did. You know, so I went there for 25 years and, and it was actually really hard to leave. And I, I left and, um, and got, you know, got ordained and started my own, um, home church basically. So, but, and I, I, I rang my pastor and I got his permission and his blessing, even though I rang him up. I said, look, I feel the Holy Spirit saying it's time to move on. I've been here 25 years. And he said, John, you are always led by the spirit and, 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 and this, this is God, you know? So, so even then I did it with honor, you know, I did it in the right way and with wisdom, um, you know, and I got ordained and I reconnected and I submitted myself to new leadership and, um, and I continue to do that. Um, so really you, you are going to stand your ground. You're going to stand your ground in the decisions that you've made. In other words, it's warfare. And the real purpose of my message today and this entire podcast is because I'm a warrior, okay? Because, you know, Gideon was a judge and a warrior and a prophet. He was a prophet and a warrior and a judge. He was a prophet and a warrior. And all of us are warriors. And the devil, I'm telling you the truth, the devil will go after your decisions above all else. You might say, oh, I know the devil goes after our family. The devil goes after our health. Listen, if the devil, the devil has no power that, unless you give it to him. Remember, Jesus Christ crucified, rose from the dead, made a public spectacle of the devil, triumphing over him in the cross. We have all the power now. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on the earth is mine. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. You're going to trample over scorpions and snakes. You're going to trample over all of the power of the enemy. So why is there so much, you know, enemy going on? Because we're not trampling. And this is where we are on the offensive. We're not on the defensive. And let me explain it around the context of decision-making. Paul, when he writes in Ephesians about the armor of God, he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, and you know the scripture. But really, everything that he says is is standing our ground. He says, pray in the spirit. He says, stand therefore girded. Stand therefore with the armor of God. Stand therefore with the shield of faith. And when you are finished to stand and to pray in the spirit at all. So really... We have got to establish territory, but then we've got to, to to maintain the territory that we've established. For some of us, our entire Christian life is a battle just to hold on to our salvation. I mean, I'm just being going to be honest. A lot of people, 
They give their life to Christ and then they fall into temptation and they get back up again and then they get distracted. They get a, the wrong, marry the wrong girl and, you know, get, you know, get, get divorced and get discouraged. And it's like, man, these people just seem to be having a really hard time. Like a lot of people are really struggling just to, to just to stay in the faith. You know, and we know that Jesus talks about this in the parable, that there's the, the sun that scorches the earth and the seeds shrivel up and bear no fruit. And then there's the birds of the air that eat the seed. And there's the thorns that rise up and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the seed. So he who remains to the end, he will be saved. So yeah, look, there is a little bit of that. But the Holy Spirit is greater you know, than you realize. And if you yield to the Spirit and wait upon him, he will lead you. He will guide you. He will fill you. Those, you know who survive and thrive and bear fruit of those, as I read before earlier, those are the ones who obey him, the ones who abide in him. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So really, it's our weakness. It's not saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be a good Christian, and I'm going to finish my race. It's saying, God, I can't do this. I need your help. Like Gideon, he was the least in his family. He didn't think that he was very good, but he believed in God. It's God who's doing it through us. So number three, is standing. You know, you're going to stand in your salvation. You're going to stand in your marriage. You're going to stand in your church attendance. And you're going to stand in what the Holy Spirit has told you to do. He tells me, John, go and do a podcast right now. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes I don't feel very prepared. Sometimes I get negative feedback about my podcast, that it's politically incorrect correct, or this, that, or the other. You know, I've even had my uh, employer force me to take down one of my podcasts, um, you know, uh, you know, that was on YouTube and for various reasons. And so, you know, people, the devil does not want me or you speaking the truth. I mean, just have a look at the world we live in today. There is so much censorship. And what's happening at the moment with artificial intelligence is going to really, you know, put a fortress around um, you know, the ability to communicate truth. Now, we can communicate, thank God, verbally, face-to-face with people. We don't have to bring our smartphones with us to church. And that's a hint there for the future. But what I'm saying to you today is you have got to stand in your convictions. You've got to stand in what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. I spent you know, two and a half years in a job that was very painful. I didn't want to be there. It was all this stuff. And it turned out to be the doorway and the gateway to, you know, getting a new job, getting a pay rise, getting a house and getting a whole bunch of stuff that has become a platform. The decisions that God leads you to make, if you remain in them, always lead to abundant life. It doesn't always look like that. I mean, think about the disciples when everyone left Jesus except the, except the 12. Look at the disciples when their, their leader was crucified and they were scattered. You know, look at the disciples when the church was under persecution and, and, and everyone left, pretty much everyone left Jerusalem, I think, except for like, you know, Peter and James and who knows who else. Like when Paul was in prison. But these people continued to stand. They continued to write and Do not underestimate the compound impact of your faithfulness in the things that God's asked you to do. He's not going to bless the things that he hasn't asked you to do. As I said, number one, 
decision is that you you've lost your life you're following Christ you're you've predetermined your boundaries you, you this is easy this is in the first days weeks and months of being a Christian but those decisions you continually ongoingly reinforce and that becomes the foundation for your Christian life I am a Christian I go to church I tithe I read the Bible I pray in tongues you know, I give, I, I think of others as better than myself, I serve, and all these other things as well. Number two is you learn to be spirit-led. The Holy Spirit's your umpire. You, you know, you do what He's doing today. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Today is the day of salvation. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus said the kingdom is now. All of these scriptures are about how do you live in the moment and nothing you do, really, out of your mind, will, and emotions is going to have any lasting benefit. The Only the things that you do as led by the Spirit are going to have lasting benefit. That's what Paul's talking about with those who build with straw compared to those who build with gold. If he's building it, it's going to last forever. If it's his word, it's going to last forever. And number three is remaining and standing in those aforementioned decisions. So if God sent you to your workplace, you're going to stay until you own the company or until you're fired or until, you know, you're given permission to leave. If you're married, you're going to stay married. If you're going to do a podcast, you're going to do the podcast. I mean, writing my first book was so painful and it took months and months and months. And it was like, you know, living with the devil, you know, a dragon in my house, you know, for breathing down my neck, so to speak, until I published it, you know, and now it's out there, it's permanent, right? And who knows who's going to read it in a hundred years time in on, you know, so right now, right now, where are you? God asked this to Adam and Eve, where are you? Adam was hiding. Are you hiding? Because of your nakedness? Because your nakedness has been taken away. You are clothed with righteousness. You are adopted by God. Jesus said, don't be like the pagans who worry about what they will eat or what they will drink or what they'll wear. Once you're in the kingdom, you own everything. You're a son. You're a daughter. The angels are there to protect you and to guard you in all your ways. The, the Psalm 91 shelter is where you abide. You are going to live forever. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Encourage you with it, yourself with these things. Number two is you're going to set boundaries for yourself. You know what? I'm not going to talk to this person anymore. I'm, I'm not going to eat that food anymore. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to write that book. I'm going to do the things that the Holy Spirit has led me to do. Was that number two? And number three and number two is to be spirit-led in, in what he's saying to do today. He, he's going to lead you. Hey, listen to this podcast. Go for a prayer walk. Write a song. It's going to be a still, small voice most of the time. And if you do what he's doing today, today, what, it's what he's doing today. If you listen, he'll tell you. I promise you he will tell you. He's confirming it with me now that he will speak to you. He will... He will lead you, he will encourage you, and he will allow you to be led by the Spirit. Um, so yeah, I've been Jonathan, you've been listening to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. 
Uh, I really want to pray for you now. So, Father God, I just want to thank you for the kingdom that's abundant. I thank you for the kingdom that is at hand. I thank you for the kingdom that is in us and upon us. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would give us grace and the ability to see and hear what you're saying and doing. Listen, guys, if you really are a son of God, if you really believe, if you really are a child of God, then God, who is spirit, is going to talk to you. If you are his son, if you are his daughter, then of course you can hear his voice. Of course you can hear his voice, but really, he is a spirit man. God is a spirit. He's a father of spirits. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So you are a spirit man. Yes, you're, you're wrapped, yes you have a body, and yes, your body can sometimes you know, be very demanding and be very, very loud. But if you still yourself today, if you listen to your father, he will be speaking to you in your spirit man. He will be confirming to you the very things that he's saying. He will be sending angels to perform his word that's spoken. Believe it. You are a son of God, so he is speaking to you. You are a spirit, and your father is a spirit. You are the same as your father. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus, because your spirit and his spirit are one. So when he sees you, he sees the righteousness of God. He sees his son, and you are one of his sons. The Bible says clearly we are co-heirs with Christ. We inherit everything Jesus inherits. I mean, you know, he even said we have the authority to forgive sin. Just look at man. Look at how God created man as the, uh, the Psalms say glory and honor was put upon him. And he, everything in all of the earth and in creation is subject to man. God has made you really the same as himself. I'm going to leave you with this short, you know, 30 seconds of, of Graham Cook. Because he's actually saying what I'm saying, but he's saying it in a very nice pastoral way. Um, I say it very aggressively sometimes. But listen to what Graham Cook is saying here about who we are and what we have. Again, church, be disciplined, not out of works, but out of wisdom, out of understanding, and out of application, because a disciple is a disciplined one, someone who sticks to their decisions, and somebody who does what the Father is doing. Bye for now. you exactly like him, and he loves the whole idea. He loves the whole prospect. So he loves everything he's doing in your life. Because the goal is we're making them like us. It's what they've always wanted to do. Right back from Genesis 1.26. Let's make man and let's make them in our image. Let's have this whole people group that are exactly like us. So we can enjoy everything in their life because everything is about us making them like us.